Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page and search for Coach Bo Knows Show. You'll find it there. You can also email us anytime at Show at gmail.com. This is episode 59, and joining me today on episode 59, coming in to review all of the week five action, our most popular returning contributor. We're going to skip all the ladies, 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 if you're doing this. We're just going to bring Uncle Rico in. He is undefeated still against home pregnancy tests, but hey, Uncle Rico is going to come in today. He's going to be here the whole episode with me today. We're going to talk a lot of football. We're going to have a little fun. Uncle Rico's appearance, as always, is brought to us by Stitch Fix. Uh, get your $25 off your first box at Stitch Fix. Check out the link in the show notes, and you can use that link to save today. Uncle Rico, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Feeling good today. You doing good? All right. Hey, um, I want to catch up. Before we get too deep into the wormhole, i got to do some housekeeping for the show. Um, Ellen and I did record a .5 pod that was supposed to come out Friday night. Unfortunately, Friday morning when we were doing it, I had internet issues. We used Zoom for this, and the Zoom audio was awful. It was It's totally my fault. The internet kept jumping her out. I was trying to fix it and do some editing, and I just couldn't get it to where basically you wouldn't have had Ellen on the show, and I just wasn't going to do that. So... No point five. Ellen's going to be back on the point five this week. Totally my fault. And it was just unstable internet here at the studio dealing with that. So real quick, for those who are curious and had questions on, hey, how did we do in our pick segment? Ellen rode the horse and is still winning. She had KU plus seven and a half. The hook came in handy as KU lost by seven. She is now 4-0. and She's gone four weeks in a row on her pick. And I went 1-1-1 one, one, and one. again. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. So um, craziness on the Caesars pick. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a little bit. But, uh, and then we're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff. Ellen and I are going to jump into baseball stuff later in the week. And everything going on with that, we're going to talk. We had talked about Herschel Walker, everything going on with KU and the game day, which was really cool over the weekend. But let's get in here, Ricardo, and uh, let's kind of let people know what's going on. It is Monday night. The Chiefs-Raiders game just ended. And we usually start recording at halftime of the Monday night game. And we kind of glance at it, and if – there's something we want to talk about. We'll talk about it, but this game was too exciting. This was, this was a very good game. It really came down to the end. I credit the Raiders for sticking with it. We knew, you and I, we've seen this a hundred times, or not a hundred times, but a couple dozen times with the Chiefs. They always are a second-half team. Yeah. Don't count them out at any time. Even if they're blanked in the first half, you can't count them out because they are a second-half team and they are a juggernaut. If they can ever put two halves together, they would blow out pretty much any one they could play. Yeah, it, it's 
But that's what the story of this game was. But when they did, I love how the Raiders were able to stay in it to the end. You know, yeah, there was just a couple of times the Raiders, like I was, so right before the half, I got a text from a friend and she was like, I can't believe what is going on. There's this, this, and she was arguing about the Chris Jones call. The That was the worst flag I have seen in quite a while. The Chris Jones call where he was flagged for roughing the passer on Derek Carr. It just changed the whole complexity of the first half. Um, really was a poor call. But the same thing happened with Tom Brady yesterday. I just really don't understand what the league is going to do. We're going to get into that next. That's going to be our next thing is these it's refereeing shit's getting out of hand. But it was Love funny because as we were talking, <laughs> I said, uh, hey, if you want to come on the pod and you want to, you want to you want to talk about it? We, we can let you. And she was like, "No, that's okay. Got to work tomorrow." But it, I want to go over to Arrowhead <laughs> and slash someone's tires. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I kind of that's understandable. You know, I'm not a cheese fan, it. but like, it's understandable because it was bad. I think the officiating was pretty poor in this game. And we're going to get into officiating in a minute. What would you think on that, though? Your thoughts on that? Um. On that specific, it's it is a trend, and we're uh, you know as we're going to discuss it, it I see what they called and why they called it. I think it's a bullshit call that should have been Kansas City ball in his hands with a stri- basically a strip sack. Yeah, it was a. Yeah, and it was and I don't, I didn't see rough in the passer, and I, I know, and when we get into this conversation, I'm going to preface it here real quick. I understand player safety. Get it? I'm not here against it. I'm not arguing against it. But this is football. You have to play ball. And that was just, to me, that was a legitimate sack and strip fumble right into his hands as he went down. He should have been, it should have been Kansas City ball right there. Does yep. that change the outcome of the game? I don't know. It, you know, Chiefs still win. But there were calls like this throughout the league, and today wasn't the best of officiating. Um, but I saw that call as a trend coming off the weekend. Yeah, it this is unbelievably bad. The officiating tonight. I mean, just there were two or three big calls that were made that was like I, I don't know what they're looking at. I mean, it, it's I don't know. It, you know, we've seen. Let's get into the officiating in a few minutes. We'll talk about this game first off because this was you were right. Hey, I was sitting there watching the game, and as the second half started. I had every confidence the Chiefs were going to win this game. I had every confidence. I was like, they're going to win. Chiefs are going to come back. And I thought they were going to run away with it, honestly, in the second half. I text my same friend, and I said, hey, I said, here comes when the Chiefs went ahead. I said, here comes the boat race. Yeah. I was like, it's about and, to and be the, this the is there. Because I said after the Chiefs uh, scored and they called the um, – the uh, unnecessary roughness on the Raiders, and then they ended up putting on the uh, the on the on the, on the um, Chiefs took the lead. The Chiefs they called the extra penalty on the Raiders. They put it on the kickoff. You know me. You know what I love to do as a coach. I'm sitting there going, "Wait a minute! I'm kicking at the forty, and this loud ass crowd is in front of me. Let's go on side, baby." Let's do it. I knew you were going to say I would have done it. If, it. If, I, if I I would have gone to my special teams coordinator and I would have said, you got one you like right here. And if you got one you like, 
ambush, like Sean Payton called it the ambush, did it in the Super Bowl. I'm running ambush. I'm running my best one, my best surprise onside kick because I'm kicking from the 40. To get to 10 is the 50. Okay, I'm not giving you the ball in, in, in you're not going to return it. So I'm not giving you the ball in field goal range. You're going to have to get at least one first down. The defense has been great for the last three possessions, and this fucking crowd's going ape shit. Imagine if we go and re- recover the onside kick. I mean, all of a sudden you go from two point, you go from I guess it would have been a four point lead at the time to all of a sudden um, we might be up eleven. Because yeah, then I'm going downfield in the first fucking play. Oh, I'm just pouring. High risk, high reward. I get it. Yeah. yeah, I understand the situation, but it's high risk, high reward. And it is. You, and, and I, it's one of those that you know, if it doesn't go your way, it doesn't look great. It's low percentage for that overall yeah. at this level. I just looked at it. The, it, it, the, the, the moons were aligning perfectly. Like, yeah, I could, I could do this. <laughs> I would. I would have done it. I would. If, if again, I would. I would be in the headset talking to my special teams coach and going, "Do you got one?" You got one you really like. And if he says, yeah, Coach Reed, I got one, I'm Andy Reed, in that situation, would have been perfect. Yeah. But I, it's, it's a situational call not. to go for, to do that, yeah. but you don't have to. It's, you it's don't have to, percent. absolutely. And they did the right thing, kicking the short kick and making the Raiders bring it out. And they tackled him at the 15, so you yeah. gained yardage doing that, which is fine. I mean, that was the right play. But I don't mind rolling those dice when I got this crowd. It would be different if I'm on the road. It would be different if I was losing. But I've come all the way back, and we got a lot of time to play, and I still got Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I, yeah, but there's see, a there's lot the of that make me think, it. if I've got what I like, I'm doing it. But that, that's me. Hey, there's I, your art. That cuts both ways because if you you have Patrick Mahomes, yeah, you don't have to do it because you have him in your pocket for your next series. Yeah, that's true, absolutely. You're absolutely spot on. I mean, it, there's no doubt that it's not a great play by any means. It's very risky, and there's a lot of variables that would have to go your way for me to make that decision to do it. God damn! I mean, could you imagine the talk? Right now, as we're watching uh, uh, Scott Van Pelt, from had done it. Oh, yeah. had, had he done it, and had they recovered, had they done it, and had they recovered, it probably would be the highlight of the week. I mean, God, it would be. Play. I mean, to go ambush right there. I mean, now I will say, I know what made me think of it was one of the earlier kickoffs. The Chiefs were kicking. And they got the front five for the Raiders were all 15 yards away from the kickoff, which is pretty common, 15 or 20. But the middle guy was 12 yards from the kick, which means the Raiders were concerned at some time or another, someone's going to pull a McAfee, kick it 10 yards and recover it, and the kicker recover it himself. Right down the middle, yeah. Yeah, which is, I mean – that would if the, if that guy wasn't up there, that's the one I would have done if I had that guy, you know. But it's an exciting game. I thought the one call I didn't understand. And tell me what your thoughts are. Josh McDaniels decides 
30-29, Raiders score a touchdown, extra point ties it, four minutes, 27 seconds left in the clock, all three timeouts, and the two-minute warning for the Raiders. They opt to go for two. They don't get it. And I know that, in the, and Buck and Aikman said this, that the bean counters, the analytics guys are saying it's just as easy to get two here as it is to get the one. But I don't know if I agree. I, I'm all about doing some wild shit. But I think I'm going the extra point there. Uh, I, I, you know, we were talking about it, and I completely agree. I don't go for the two. I go for the kick. I take 30-30 with four minutes to go. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think we're on agreement on this. If you're inside of two minutes or in the last minute, yeah, go for it. You're probably not going to get another chance, and you have a good chance. Don't ask the Bills this question, but you have a good chance of holding on to at least a tie, maybe getting the ball back or doing something at the last second with a field goal or winning it in overtime. You have those options. But with four minutes on the clock and you're only taking a one-point lead and you're immediately given you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs four minutes on the clock to, to march down and score, I'm not taking that. I want the tie. I want the 30-30 with four minutes to go because I might have a chance, you know, playing the clock right, or if I get a stop on them, I've got a chance to come back down in another series. I want to give my chance, you know, quarterback in my offense one more series. But if you don't have another series to go, you don't have anything, then you put it on, you go for two, put it on your defense. Yeah. But this is a situation where you gave a lot of time to a very potent offense you needed to stay step for step with them to finish. This is a big well put on McDaniel's part. Yeah, step for step is really well put there because again, you got all three timeouts. You can kind of help control that clock with four plus minutes to go. You know, if they get a couple of first downs, you can slow them down with your timeouts. They can't leave you with 20 seconds left, something like that. You know, or the flip side, say they get a field goal. You know, you got a one-point lead. A field goal still goes ahead. So yeah. I want to maximize my time. So that, to me, was more important than trying to take the lead. I totally understand if that's – you know, I think Buck said this. 27 seconds left in the game. Yeah, on the road against a better team, I'm probably going for two, but not four minutes and 27 seconds. No, no, it's way too much time. And here's the thing. I mean, I will credit the Raiders on this because this is where they, where McDaniel really wasn't self-aware of what this team was doing. They, we talked about this last week, about sticking with your game plan. And when the second half started, the, the Raiders didn't panic. They stayed with the plan that they had in the first half. It's what allowed them to stay step for step. It's what kept them in the game by continuing to run Jacobs between the tackles yeah. and keeping – you know, management of the clock. Kansas City yeah. wasn't able to run away with it because Raiders were efficient with their offense when they were on the field. They controlled the clock. They were able to move the ball. They were they were able to keep the defense honest against the run and the pass and the RPO. So I thought that what they did really well in the second half was not to abandon the game plan they had in the first half because it kept Kansas City in check. Whereas if they had hit the panic buttons, like we got to get, we got to pull away from them and go to the pass heavy or whatever, anything like that, because they're coming. 
you actually be, you know, geez, benefit from that. So I thought they did really well, except yeah. for a few calls there at the end. This yeah. is where you know I thought McDaniel management of the clock by both teams wasn't perfect, but I really applaud them sticking to their guns, sticking to the run game, which was critically yeah. important in the second half to stay with it, yeah. and being right there at the end. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. So in the in the Raiders rushing game, Josh Jacobs twenty one carries. 154 and a touchdown, 7.3 yards a carry. Then they have the the run, the extended run game of them throwing Jacobs the ball, five receptions, 39 yards, 7.8 yards per reception. That's phenomenal yeah, use of the back. I mean, that's as good that as is incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's you got almost 200 yards of offense out of your running back, which helps grind the clock. Especially in the first half. Well, that first half was quick because of that run game. And I, yeah. I think you're on to something there with it was Josh McDonald did a good job of keeping that piece moving. Then you have the three catches from Devontae Adams for 124, two touchdowns, including that big 58 yarder. So that, that fourth down play, first half, you're back with your own 40, 42, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, because it was 58 yards from 42 yards, 42 yard line. They go for it on fourth and one. They got man coverage. Adams beats his guy, and it's just over the top. I mean, fuck anyone would have caught it. I mean, Devontae's great because he gets away from the guy, but a really hard play action. The one thing Carr does really well is the play action game. And it was a good, really interesting call. If it doesn't work, he's going to get killed for it. But it showed me the desperation the Raiders had coming into the game. And that was why, in my mind's eye, I kept thinking the Chiefs were going to come back and win. Because if they're so desperate, the Raiders, they're running that play early in the first half, then it's probably them telling themselves, we're going to need these kind of gimmicks to win. But that really wasn't what they did. They really did control yeah. the ball with the run game. And they did a good I, job. I, I would disagree. I would disagree that I wouldn't call it desperation. This was essentially their version of the onside kick. You yeah. got me on fourth and one, fourth and two. You're thinking I'm going to put Jacobs up the middle because he's got 150 yards on the ground. We're pounding him through the tackles. No, no, no. We went into the air. And honestly, what I would say is this showed, I think this game, but that play especially shows how Devontae Adams and Carr are starting to really gel as yeah. a quarterback and a wide receiver duo. They look good today. When, they, when he was thrown to, they look good. And it should have been, I, you know, it's so close on that fourth, on that, on that, you know, we had three, we're talking about four, where it's just a toe tap. If he has control of that ball at the end of the game. Yeah. It's so yeah. close. He could have you know, keep tap. control and get that in. Yeah, that left foot tap would have been huge. I like what I'm seeing out of those two right now. I like the direction the Raiders are heading in for the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was an aberration. The, the, the Raiders did run the ball well last week, too. So, I mean, yeah. maybe it's going to be a, how they look moving forward. I don't know yet. I, I Here's what I do know. I don't trust Derek Carr. That's okay. You don't yeah. have to. The last thing I want to talk about in this game 
Is there a guy who goes more beast mode in this league right now than Travis Kelsey? No, no. <laughs> you know, Holy there's just shit. I mean, this he... is this is literally the the next. This isn't the next. This is the current Brady Gronk. There isn't a better quarterback tight end yeah. duo out no. there. Not Kelsey really, no, is no. so good, and Patrick Mahomes is so good at getting it to him. Yeah. They, they have an uh, – and, and a lot of it is also how they run that offense where a lot of times with Kelsey, it's about getting him into space and let him move around a little bit. And him and Mahomes kind of improvise that. I'm not a big fan of that, but I do love that in the red zone. And I like it for getting third downs. You know, you got a third and seven. You can find a big body. It also helps that he's like Gronk when he's, he's a polar bear with hands. Um, yeah, he's tall. He's got yeah, lanky he's huge, and long. And he's just, thick at every part. Yeah. You know, he had. He's he got had nothing gangly. He's he is thick in every pit in every part. Yeah. Seven catches, only twenty five yards, four touchdowns, and yeah. the the third one was amazing. Where he yeah. catches, he runs to the. He cuts back to the right. Then he runs back to the left to get the open space. Defender comes up and got him. He makes the catch anyway, and then outruns one guy, and then three guys. He just zigzags, not zigzags, but he, he angles toward the pylon, basically, and beats three guys to the end zone. Unbelievable play. I, I'm, I have always said I like Gronk better than Kelsey. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. I, 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 I think like, Kelsey's in that elite. I think he's in that elite top three or four of all time at tight end now. I really believe it. Right? I think, yeah, I think that what Gronk did was redefined what a tight end can really be to an yeah. offense in that regard. I think Kelsey has taken that concept yeah. and ran with it and done. He's going to be more than what Gronk has been at that position. But I would say yeah. Gronk really broke away from the standard. And yeah. Kelsey has said, oh, shit, I can do that. And I yeah, can do it better than I, he can. And he's doing I liken them to a generation ago of Shannon Sharp and Tony Gonzalez. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, but these I don't even – I mean, I, I, I like Shannon Sharp when he was playing. And well, he was I think that he was – he absolutely was. And I would still put Kelsey above him right now. Yeah. In what I've always said I, that I'm one of the rare guys that thought that Sharp was better than Gonzalez. I just did. It's just – It's just it's pretty close. But, yeah, I would argue that. Yeah. I can argue that. And then – I thought, and, and the numbers don't dictate it because Tony Gonzalez has had massive numbers. I mean, he had numbers like nobody else. But Gronk, to me, was a different animal because of his size. The size of his hands, it's like throwing to a polar bear. I mean, he's going to catch yeah. the ball, and that's become Travis Kelsey. And I don't know that there is a better guy at getting in space. Now, the difference between him and Gronk, like when Gronk was in his prime, especially now he's retired, but is that you would catch Gronk and just throw it near him, no matter who was on him, and he's just so much he stronger, could, he, he was going to catch the ball. Yeah. What's different with Kelsey is that Kelsey gets open. He moves and slides into positions and because of the relationship and how Mahomes can play, he's the perfect match for that. There's literally 
nobody else who could take advantage of that the way McCombs could. You might argue Josh Allen. I would agree. I would agree. I, I might I'll, argue I'll, Josh I'll, Allen, I'll. but that's about it. And I just think that those yeah. two work together so hard. You know they're just out fucking around after practice on that field, just running different spots, and he's and oh, he's yeah. dropping down sidearm or underhand or three quarters or whatever to put balls in windows. Yeah, I would love oh, yeah. to see what they do in the backyard. I'll bet more than once someone's been at a pool party at one of those two guys' houses. They're just fucking throwing fucking footballs into the fucking pool. And they're jumping in a pool. Yeah, or something. oh, God, yeah. fucking hysterical. <laughs> that. I, would, but, I would say two things on that. One, I would put – I think Kelsey is more athletic than Gronk. I think he has more leg speed, ground speed. I would like, agree I'll, he's like faster. after catch. Sure. I think yes, he's faster than Gronk agree. after the catch, you yeah. know, because, you know, Gronk, Gronk would catch and he just kind of lumber through because he was bigger than all the D-backs. Yeah. For Kelsey, he's bigger than all the D-backs, but he can move. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would say, you know, going back to Shannon Sharp and Tony Gonzalez, I, you know, I'd be curious to know what they would have done had it been a Patrick Mahomes who was throwing to them. Yeah. I'm watching this right now. Because I know oh, Tony I Gonzalez didn't. Didn't there was not anywhere thing close to a Patrick Mahomes in the history of of the Chiefs that I've seen. No, uh, and I would I would definitely argue that I don't think an Elway and Mahomes are of the same caliber and the time. Early, early John Elway is comparable. Kind, but not Super Bowl winning. Not, not Super Bowl winning Elway. No, that, no, one, but he, that one was you know, that ability. Elway, it was a different animal. But young Elway, yeah, like he was the drive the, Elway, who had the yeah, monster arm, with the monster arm and a shitty offensive line, and had to run around. It was just faster than everybody. Yeah, I mean that's, yeah. I, I, he was a different kind of quarterback. Yeah. I don't think he was as mobile or as as we have repeatedly put it for Mahomes. He's not a backyard bullshit player. Yeah, he's very. He was very. Um, I gotta say this disciplined in that yeah. regard, in a, as a traditional pocket passer. Yeah. So that's where I, I I see Mahomes would have more success to his tight end, you know, to a Shannon Sharp than he would have. But it's yeah. not like we're taking anything away from Elway in this regard. Oh, no, no. All right, oh, let's man. let's let's move on from the Chiefs game. Did you watch Sunday night's game, the Bengals and the Rams? I did. And uh, I, I I walk away from that game just wondering what the hell is wrong with the Rams. Just really. And I said the Bengals round. I mean the Bengals. The, I'm sorry. The ba- the the Bengals Ravens game Sunday night. Oh Raven. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. I I'm, said the Rams. You, I, said, I you said Rams, and I just got yeah. stuck with the Rams. And you got stuck on the Rams. That's why I corrected myself. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. With that. Yeah. <laughs> Bengals Ravens Sunday night. I. This was a dog shit game. God, it was. We yeah. had some bad football from good teams, and this is two pretty good teams. But I don't know if people saw it. If you saw it yet, I went off on Twitter. If you follow my personal Twitter, I kind of let Zach Taylor have it. I don't uh, understand what the Cincinnati Bengals are doing offensively. It's like they don't watch film of their opponent. And they just kind of see if something's going to happen. Um, it's like they don't have a plan until late in the half, and then again in the early fourth quarter. 
Um, I did get a kick out of. Yeah. Did you see? Speaking of quarterback protection earlier, and we'll get into that. We're going to go there next. But did you see the uh, Joe Burrow's uh, rushing touchdown? Essentially a scrum. I cut the replay on that one. So he, it's the it's a keeper. He yeah. just he's gonna just he's just gonna push. And when they did it, yeah, freaking running back just comes and shoves him from behind because that's yeah. all legal. The bush push. I mean, that's what we call it in kind of college. I mean, that's all it's all legal. It was basically yeah. just a scrum, and I, I can't believe you're putting your franchise quarterback into that. But it is what it is. Um. I got to say, as someone, and I'm wearing my Joe Burrow jersey as we talk about this right now. I, I've only taken it off to sleep last night. I threw it back on this afternoon. Um, I'm still – I thought Burrow played fairly well. I thought he outplayed Lamar. But play calling is awful on both sides. I yeah, mean, I, that, and I think that's the frustrating it's, – it's almost a forgettable game because these teams are should be and have played – this year they have played better. Yesterday just were not very good. Yeah. It it was inefficient. It was clumsy. It was somewhat pedestrian. You know, I was I had it up. I was watching it, but I just I felt uninterested. Like it, yeah. there was so much not worth watching. It was by a the way they game. were playing. It, it was kind of like how last week we had those three games in a row. The afternoon game, the Sunday night game, and the Monday night game that were all pretty uninteresting. Yeah, it's kind of like that in a way. Well, we were we were talking about the Monday night game, and I just or in in I just or the Sunday night game. I couldn't even pay. I could yeah. not hold my attention. Yeah, yeah so at all, uh, it was really boring. I, you know, we talked about briefly. I mentioned the whole thing with the scrum and Joe Burrow gets pushed in, and you know the player safety yeah. deal, and then we had you know the you talk about the bad, the bad penalty call on the Chiefs earlier tonight on Derek Carr. A similar car, call was made on Tom Brady yesterday that really helped tip the game over to the Bucs late in that game against the Falcons. Have you seen that call yet? Yeah, I did. And 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 for those that are wondering about it, let's 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 just remember a couple of things. One, it wasn't fourth down, it was third down. So there yeah. was still another down there to happen, even if it wasn't that. You don't know we don't know what would have happened. Sure. What it was, what what the 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 the, the rub on this is that it basically elim- eliminates a chance to come the other way. It doesn't say that Tom Brady is gonna you know, and the, and they aren't going to maybe they punt, maybe they go for it. Maybe you get it. Maybe you get down. Maybe you don't. This is a pretty good defense on Tampa's side as well. The reality is is that um, the entire Tua situation is influencing calls across the league, especially this week. It sucks. That was not roughing the passer. Tonight was not roughing the passer. This is not me advocating for more violent tackles. It is that these are not tackles. They're roughing the pass. They're just normal sacks. So they're they, strictly normal sacks. If you've never watched football before, what are you what are you complaining about here? You don't know what you're talking about. These are normal yeah. sacks. Yeah, These are so things rule, that happen to every quarterback. The rule says you can't drive the quarterback into the ground. And like in the in the case of the one against Derek Carr tonight, you can see that I mean, it was a strip. He's got the ball. 
And as they're going to the ground, Chris Jones puts his left hand down to brace himself. That's not driving the cornerback to the ground. No, it's really not. It's Cornwall really not. Brady, he slings, he's slinging him, but he's tackling him. He's not throwing him to the ground. So they want they want to in it. one breath yeah. say we're protecting quarterbacks. So we're going to in one breath we're going to say we're going to protect these quarterbacks. In the next breath, we're going to also take Teddy Bridgewater out of the game for a possible concussion. We're over. We're, we're talking about that piece happens. So now, oh, don't even get me started. I mean, and that was done from the sideline. That wasn't even done by that was done by the medical people. It wasn't. It wasn't even done from the sideline. It was done from up in the booth. Mm-hmm. That's, That's the I mean. one that that one right there of all the things that happened, that one right there is the one that sends me just through the roof. Yeah. So you're telling me that the doctors who are standing right there and 150 other people on the sideline are standing right next to him have no problem with what they see. And you, who's 100 yards up in the air away from him, yeah. see him kind of stumble a little bit. So it's immediate concussion protocols out for the game. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I understand that, but if you're up in the booth, who the hell are you? How can you tell when there are people right in front of him and around him at all times right there, especially, you know, they're on the sidelines, they're not on the field, they're on, you know, they're on de- Miami's on defense. So you've got all your offense there, you've got your coaches there, you've got your trainers there, and you've got your doctors there, and you're making that call from the booth. Yeah. Well, this it, is bullshit. Uh, this is a and, stupid thing. Yeah. In addition to all this, now again, I'm with you. I'm not about you know the toughness of the game. I'm looking for consistency, and we can't just add new rules in the middle of the season. I this is a fuck up because I of the dare two, them. The two situations. I dare them to cost. do this in a playoff game. I know exactly. That's where I'm going with this. Yes, let's see this happens, in, and, and how they call some of these penalties. The last couple of years have been awful. This is just as bad as how a defensive player can't use their hand to slap. He can't slap the quarterback in the head. So I'm a defensive tackle. I'm fighting a double team. What am I been taught since I was in youth football? Get my fucking hands up. Get your hands up. Get my hands up to try to block the pass if I can't get there. Now, if I don't get there and my hand is up, try to block the ball. And he follows through with the pass. And my arm comes down on his helmet. I get flagged for 15 yards because his helmet was in the spot where my hand was batting a ball. Then we don't get that called consistent. We've had that for three seasons now. Now, you know who they call that for? God forbid anybody. Put a hand up against fucking Tom Brady. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But here's here's what I would say. You know, kind of, um, you know, in the argument for the defender here, not, you know, Scott Van Pelt said this last night. The defender beat his man, got to the quarterback, and took him down. That's literally his job. Uh-huh. He got there and did his job, and for doing his job, he got penalized for it. Yeah. Well, it goes further than that. That's it. You got that. We got this hand thing. 
We can't hit a quarterback below the knee. So God forbid he slide toward me, getting away from somebody else, and I fall on his legs. That's a 15. Where do you want me to hit the quarterback? Well, that's not you can only hit the quarterback in the waist. But, and they're going to come up with a rule that you can't hit him in the dick next. I mean, that's... That's an unwritten rule. It... it it really is that way, but I'd love to say that that is consistent. And again, going back to your word consistency there, I'd love to say that's true, but, uh, and, and I'm, and I'm going to mention this only because as a side note, I actually kind of, kind of glad of what came of it. Yeah. Uh, did you see the, uh, the fight with Kenny Pickett in the bills last night when they, yes. when he at the sideline uh-huh. and that tackle was on his knee. Yeah. Wasn't above, wasn't below, wasn't his ankle. When you look at it, that's shoulder to the knee on a starting quarterback, and they didn't throw a flag. Yeah. Who they threw the flag on was Kenny Pickett for starting the fight. Yeah. And I, and I got to say, you know, just as a follow-up, I know they got blown out, but what I really loved about that moment was how they cut the, the, his lineman came up and defended him yeah. more than once. 15 Bills guys, he goes right up after them, and then walks among them as they're hitting as he's he as they're hitting him back, and he just bounces off them like they're not, they're nothing. I thought yeah. it was great. It was the one moment of that game for the for for the Steelers. I thought was amazing. But that was a hit on a knee that wasn't flagged. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about player safety when he's when you damn near just lost a starting quarterback in Kenny Pickett on a on a sack. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this it's, is bull. It, you, you sit there and tell me it's okay, but if I break a leg, that's not the same thing as a concussion. I don't want to hear. Yeah, it. I'm looking at this now, and I, I heard, I think it was Ryan Clark was talking about today, and I've, this has been an argument for a few years now in the NFL. They need full time assist, uh, full time referees. And I heard the best argument that I've heard for it this week. And the reason being is that so referees in the NFL, they have other jobs. Many of them are a couple of them are lawyers. There's some that are accountants. They're, they're, and they and they they've been doing this for years, but it oh, is yeah. not their full. It is not their full time job. The issue is they go into training with the NFL in the off season for a few weeks. They review what is the, you know, uh, in college they would call it the points of emphasis. I uh, guess the same verbiage they use in the NFL too, but. This is what we're going to, you know, highlight this season. But if you have the referees and their full-time employees, you know what you're going to have today? You're going to have those referees who were in those games making mistakes. And the referees from tonight's game looking at it tomorrow with the rest of their crew going, yikes, this is what we got to do better. And the league can bring in the refs. The league can bring in all the side judges or the line judges and say, hey, here's what we need to be doing. Because that's their job. That's the corrective measures that need to be taken. And they're not doing that. This is supposed to be the highest level of football. It ain't like they ain't got the fucking money. Exactly. Yeah, that's where I was about to go next. It's like, you're telling me that the referees for these multi-million dollar players, billionaire team owners, yeah. have part-time people 
Yeah. Making the play call. Bill, billion. You've got to be billion dollar me. franchise here is using officials that are part time employees. Now they're well. You're telling me you can't salary employees with the amount of money they're throwing around. Yeah. That this is. Yeah. Sometimes you, you know they're not, and and they're not the only ones who are like that. But this is one of the most egregious where you're talking about consistency, and you want it. Yeah. If you want consistency, pay them. Make it a career. Make them a job. Make them accountable. Do the yeah. NFL and create a standard. You're setting the rules as a standard, but you're not giving the refs an opportunity to actually set a standard on how things should be called because they're not, because they're part-timers. Yeah. They, they don't need to do it. They choose to do it as their side gig. Mm -hmm. As you said, some are lawyers and, and other things. And you ask yourself, why are they? Because they're not full-time employees. They can't make a salary on being a professional ref. I agree. And, and I, that's the only time I will ever defend the refs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, Oh, and usually I'm not an attack the refs kind of guy. And I'm not sure that it's the referee's fault. I'm not sure it's the official's fault. I think that there's so much pressure being put on them to make these calls, especially when something happens like two of them, you know, for two, two, you know, yeah. now, two weeks ago now. I just think that that's a lot of it. And it's the same as, Every official, there's there's always makeup calls. You know, you make a mistake, you're gonna give them the next one. You know, we see that all the time. I just, yeah, I just don't know. I, I just, I don't like a lot of it, and it's just pretty awful. A I couple think, things I, I want to. I think the ultimately what we're where we would say here is it, it could be done better. They're choosing not to. Yeah. All right. I want to touch on a couple things. Now, a week ago. You were the first person I heard actually say the words quarterback controversy. <laughs> yeah. Now, look, um, let me pull up these stats from this game. The Cowboys beat the Rams 22-10. The Rams are a disaster right now. The Rams are 2-3. and three. They're 1-2 and two at home. Matthew Stafford looks like hell. This team misses Odell Beckham like you wouldn't believe. Because everyone in the oh, stadium absolutely. knows who they're throwing the football to on every play. I mean, it, it's pretty ridiculous. Cooper Rush is now 5-0 and as a starter. He only to throw the ball 16 times in the game, okay? He was 10-16 for 102. It helps when, you know, Zeke you know, runs the ball 22 times. They ran the ball 34 times for 4.8 yards. It was not like it was a great offensive game either way, but it was. He didn't lose the game. He didn't lose the game. Now, Dak's going to be back this week. Dak's the quarterback. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It, well, I can see now. Possible. Now, I will say, I think that, okay, so they got, they got the Eagles this week. If Dak's ready, he has to play. Division game. You're already a game behind the Eagles. You need this win. Because if you beat the Eagles, you're in first place. I don't see. They have, to, they have to play the Eagles twice, and I know they have the Eagles last game of the year. Yeah, but I, if Dak is back. I know where you're going, and here's the thing. Dak. 
you don't here's 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 the conventional wisdom ride the wave i see i, I you don't have to play dak you're four and one right now uh, um, i haven't lost that. with your backup quarterback and you and as as not great this week they're chilling don't mess with that because uh, here's the thing about bringing Dak back. You now change the pace of the game. You change the play of the game. And, and your offense comes a little off kilter at a time when you desperately need them to fire in all cylinders. Yeah. But everybody... It's you a know, bad week to bring him back right now. If he had lost this week, I would, it would be an automatic. If he Dak hasn't is, lost yet. Yeah. Now, I don't know that Dak's healthy 100%. I don't think he's 100% at all. But if he's healthy enough, i got to have Dak for this game. Uh, and I get what you're saying. Don't you know? Don't don't change the course midstream. But I, you know, Cooper Rush has made himself a contract. He's gonna he's gonna be the Cowboys' backup quarterback for a very long time. He's gonna get paid. Not he's not getting starter money, and he's not worthy of starter money. No, he's not gonna get starter money. And that's the thing here. Dak's job's but, not at risk. No, he's riding the hot hand, yeah, and I, then put Dak back in after. There's no reason. There's no reason to mess with what's working just because you have Dak. doesn't mean you need it. And I say it again. This was supposed to be six to eight weeks. We're in week six right now. He doesn't yeah, he got need week to one. come this is, back. Yeah. He's been out a month. So Week two. Week two. He got hurt in the first game. No, he got hurt in the second game against the Bengals. You're right. It was the second game. Against the Bengals. He lost the first game. No, wait a minute. He was week two because he lost. Dak Dak is zero and one this year. He lost the first game. He got hurt yeah. in the second game. That's the one Cooper Rush finished, and he's rattled off three straight cents. No, Cooper Cooper Rush was the only quarterback to play that Bengals game. Dak got hurt okay. in game one against the Bucks. All right. So I just pulled the stat. So it's been five weeks. It's, it's five been, weeks. This is the fifth week. Yeah. So if he's this ahead of week. schedule now, the Cooper Rush is. Credit. They went four and up. I mean, they played a Bengals team that's, I mean, other than Burrow and Chase has pretty much nothing. I mean, it's just their their offensive staff needs to all get fired. Um, the Giants, who are surprisingly <laughs> better than anybody thought, the Commanders, who are awful, they might be the worst team in the league. The Rams, who I'm not sure the Rams are making the playoffs. It's they don't look good. They really don't look good. Well, they're going to have to catch some Not points. on offense or defense. They no. don't look good at all. They, they're going to have to find a way to score some points in their games. So I, I just you, – you I'll give you credit. You were the first guy to say it. Now, it doesn't help when old Jer ain't going on his radio show and he ain't, and he ain't talking, in the, talking anywhere about, hey, we don't have a quarterback controversy. Dak Prescott's our quarterback. You know, here's, here's what I here's how I would approach this. You've got a hot hand playing right now, and you still have the Eagles again at the end of the year uh, in in right before Christmas, the Christmas Eve game. Yeah, but play Cooper, and then just commit to Dak the week after. Because here's what you have afterwards: Lions and Bears. You got yeah, two weeks for him to get true. their groove back against with winnable games. Yeah. And then you the meet Packers, is, Vikings, Giants, Colts. The issue Take is you go to four and two. 
push one more hand, push one more hand in yeah. and roll your dice. I want to know, and they'll obviously know more than we will. By the way, I was talking to somebody over the weekend. I wish I had the Beaumont Jones hold music right now. I was talking to somebody over the weekend who is a friend of Sean Payton's who says that it is a done deal that unless McCarthy takes this team deep in the playoffs, he is going to be fired and Sean Payton is going to be the next coach in the Cowboys. That the only thing stopping them at this point is McCarthy doing better than expected and coming up with whatever the compensation the Saints will have to get, which will be at least a number a first-round pick from the Cowboys. It's, it's interesting to see what Cooper Rush is doing versus what Dak has done under McCarthy. Because I get the feeling the way McCarthy coaches is, this is what we're going to do, whether you're good at it or not. This is our right. game plan. And I don't think Dak fits his mold, and I think Cooper Rush does, which is why he's having so much more success under McCarthy. Because he just does what he he'll, his game actually fits what McCarthy wants to do. Whereas Dak's a better quarterback, and McCarthy doesn't isn't a moron. Yeah. Doesn't know how to manage a clock. So I, I think know. that honestly, I will continue to say repeatedly that I give McCarthy no credit for what is happening in Dallas, yeah. and I will give him all the credit for what has happened in the past when they fuck it up. Yeah. I got one and more. Inevitably, for you. do got another thing for you here. You're in Denver. You're at Mountain Time Zone. Yes. Have you gotten up for any of the Tally Hobos? I have wanted to. In fairness, I, it's, the uh, I last week, and I watched the second half of the uh, the Giants and the Packers. What time? So that <laughs> game came on at eight thirty here. That's seven thirty your time, right? Yes, it is. That's a yeah, it's pretty game. early, and. I, I, I will. I will. I'm I mean, I don't get up that early for the Lord on Sunday. <laughs> I don't. I. I get what they're doing, and I. And I honestly, if I was in a situation where I was living in the UK, I would really appreciate that NFL game in London when yeah. they play them, because it's yeah. the best I'm going to get on football. Yeah. But, um, I'm just. I'm. You know, if I'm players, that's that's some serious jet lag having gone through it yeah. myself to a minor degree by comparison. Yeah. It's like an eight hour difference in time, right. like a seven or eight hour difference in time. Well, you know, depending on which time zone you're in. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the tally hobo, significant. I watched the second half of the tally hobo, or as I'm going to now refer to this game, Prince Akeem classic. You've seen coming to America, right? The Giants of New York against the Packers of Green Bay. That was the game that Prince Akeem said when he was talking to Mr. McDowell. Oh, my God. It was a riveting game. (laughs) I didn't realize it until I was thinking about it. I was like, wait a minute. That is. That is the game from coming to America when Akeem is talking to. Really? Yeah. He goes, Oh, it was a riveting game. And he kicked a pigskin through an upright. <laughs> the, the Giants of New York against the Packers of Green Bay. That that's a deep cut right there. That's a the, deep cut. I, I applaud the, you for that. The Giants of New York beat the Packers of Green Bay. And I watched the second half of this game. So it was 
20 to 10 at the half, Packers. And I got to tell you, I don't know if it was the maybe the bangers and mash over in over in over in you know in, over in England, or if it was the travel. A- but the second half of that game, Aaron Rodgers looked slow. He looked bewildered. They only had the safety late in the fourth quarter. Only points they got in the second half. And they're already yeah. having issues, the Packers are, with their offense. They're yeah, playing two, they're not, and they, he, he ain't look good yet. No, he is not. This team about, has not oh, looked good yet. Are we talking about a washed Aaron Rodgers? It. Let's see what – so here's what I'll say right now. We're, we just completed week five. We're walking into week six. This is about the one-third mark of the season. If this does not change soon, like very soon, which there is no indication that this is going to change, I think that I think Aaron may be washed at this point. This is one of those where I don't know if he's physically there, but I believe wholeheartedly that mentally – just doesn't know how to do that with this team anymore. I'm wondering the same thing. I now. mean, if I'm Aaron, and let's take a look at, let's take a step back at what Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers have had for drama for the last three years. It wears on you. It tears you down. It's enough to just really, has he reached his, it, I don't think he's a wash for Aaron Rodgers. I think he's reached his breaking point with this organization. I think he's just had it. I, I, and we I talk, really, you know, we, we talk about it every year. What do they draft? Where are his weapons? Where's his support? Where is it all going? I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I don't blame him for just being sick of their bullshit, in all, in all fairness. I, 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 I thought, well, and I thought it well, that, and I think we were in agreement that Aaron Rodgers should have been done in Green Bay. He should have gone somewhere, yeah. almost anywhere else. This offseason and not been in Green Bay this year. And this is kind of the result of, oh, I want to finish up my career here. And the fans love me and all this and that. And then you've repeatedly kind of bad-mouthed your locker room every week in your press conference since 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 week one. This is extreme dysfunction from from Aaron Rodgers. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But at the same time, if I'm looking at the bigger picture of what he's gone through with his organization, yeah. and this this may have just been it at this point, yeah. where he just can't deal. He's got his contract money. That's signed. He can play like dog shit. He's going to get paid. Yeah. But the reality well, of this is, is that if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I probably don't want to be there anymore. I so, think I'm sick of what I'm dealing with on a, on a regular basis, and I've had enough. So all of Rodgers' contract is voidable after this season? Um, they are able now he has extensions. He can keep moving each year and it's huge money. But if he were to be traded, you know, the contract would go with him or if he were to retire, he wouldn't count because they can void those years. Yep. I I just have this feeling that Aaron Rodgers is done. I I, now look, what I, it could just be an occurrence of some things. 
They didn't look good week one against the Vikings. They won three in a row. They beat the Bears, the Bucks, and the Patriots. It could just, like I said, it could have been the bangers and mash. It could have been fucking going all the way to London and playing. I don't know. Could have been, you know, warm, warm soda, warm beer, and, and, and that whole thing there. But they got the Jets and the Commanders the next two weeks. Then they got to go to Buffalo. And they've got a couple other games. They have a game with the Cowboys. They've got the Eagles. They've got the Rams. Um, and they got two with the Lions. And you know what's funny is two or three weeks ago, we were like, what is Lions team ain't fucking around? And well, they look <laughs> They they look bad this week. Yeah. I think they just they, they misfired oh. on offense. It was just not good. And quite yeah, frankly, and you know, their defense can't stop. I put this week. This week, honestly, after, from what I saw, I put this on golf. Honestly, I mean, well, the, yes, this defense, is one of the most high-powered offenses up until this week, and this week yeah. they looked bad. Yeah, they looked really bad on offense. That should not have happened, and. Yeah. It's, I think on this one, I'm putting a lot of it on golf. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to ask a question. This is going to be, I think I've asked this before. You know, we talk, you know, we've got a great sponsor here on the podcast at Caesar Sportsbook. Have you been doing it? Have you been getting down at all? Did you download your Caesar Sportsbook app? I it, I will confess, I have actually never bet on a sports game in my life. You, you got it. I, I would have thought you'd have gotten down on golf by now. I know you're the most avid golfer I know. You just got to use the link in the second notes and get yourself we a We both know somebody who plays more than me. Yeah. Hey, you, you well, I, I, we got one friend who, but I don't think anyone we follows one golf as hard as you do. I, I think you follow more, follow it more than he does. I think he plays more. Shout he out to our boy Scott Freeman. Hey, let's shout him out. What's up, Freeman? I know he's over. Shout out to Freeman. Yeah. So, yeah, our boy Scott Freeman. Um, but hey, uh, I want to ask you. You've seen all the you've seen the commercials, right? All the you know, JB yeah, Smith, yeah, yeah. Caesar, and all the Mannings. Who's your favorite Manning? Yeah. My favorite Manning. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny actually because I'm kind of enjoying not while they're playing, but now that they're both retired and and all that. Um, I just saw it a couple days ago where they had a like a commercial with uh, Peyton's playing a coach and Eli's on the bench with like a bucket yeah. hat and all colors. Yeah. The NFL. I commercial. Kinda, yeah. I really kind of like Eli right now in his, in his non NFL persona, just kind of just him being him with yeah. Peyton, just kind of being around Peyton and watching Peyton be Peyton and just kind of look at him and be like, you know, that's my brother. Yeah. 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 So, Ellen, Ellen said the same thing. He just, he just keeps going. Yeah. I'm still partial I think to Archie. More chill. Yeah, I'm I'm still more partial to Archie. But that was my childhood hero. You know what you're gonna do. So and then and then Peyton, I named a kid after Peyton. So Jen's favorite, by the way, my wife, Jen hurt, you know Jen. Jen's favorite? Cooper. Cooper is her favorite. We were watching the first half of the game together, and that commercial comes on where they're playing charades. Have you seen that one yet? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the best part of the commercial, J.B. Smooth is by far the best parts of the commercials. J.B. Smooth is incredible. <laughs> and it, it's Caesar. And uh, my favorite part of that commercial is he goes off and you got the Caesar thing on there and you hear him go, Cooper is my favorite, Archie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I'm a big, I'm already a big fan of JB Smooth. I love him. I love his comedy. And then I love him on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's by far the best person on Curb. Have you ever watched Curb? Never watched it. Never have. Oh man. It's and, yeah. I, and I did like Seinfeld, and I just can't get into Curb. It's a it's a little different, but you know, you know how like all the, all the characters in Seinfeld are actually bad people. Yeah. Oh, it, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like on Curb too. But uh and JB Smooth is his character Leon is basically the 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 Kramer of that show. Yeah. So, but hey, where I bring it up, and you know, which is your favorite Manning? Because of course, the Mannings are the sponsors of and the spokespeople for Caesar Sportsbook, and Caesar Sportsbook is our great sponsor here on the podcast right now. In the show notes, you'll see the link. You can get a deposit bonus equal to what you put in, plus an extra fifty dollars deposited in your account when you use our our link. So get on there. We've got it here in Kansas. You've got it in Colorado. It's about 14 states. You can, you can get online. You can do it right off your phone. It's easy pay in, easy pay out. I just won some money tonight on this Chiefs game. I've already got it out. It's already back to me. Uh, so it's a great way, even if you're just getting down. And, and I want to, I do want to tell people, be careful, you know, bet responsibly. One thing, like Ellen and I were talking about a few weeks ago, you know, it's fun to put 5 or $10 on a ball game when you're watching oh. it. To kind of keep you in in keep you in check with the game, but don't go out there and start putting the rent money on that. We we are not encouraging that sort of behavior, but you know, have fun yeah. with it. And we do our pick segment every week. We want to remind people not to go out there and go crazy. Don't be putting the rent money and putting your baby's money stuff on stuff. No, that's not what this is about. This is about having a few a few extra bucks and a few laughs while watching the ball game. So keep that in mind. Enjoy. I, I'm actually schedule. thinking about it this week. I'm really thinking about this week right now because there's a game that's catching my eye on a team that's on the upswing, and it's the 49ers and Falcons. Knew you were going to look the 49ers into something. That, that your team? I'm just all right. Uncle Rico is officially the 49ers bandwagon in this in this podcast. Officially, you are the bandwagon driver for the 49ers. <laughs> It's a good week to bet on when they're playing the Falcons. And I know that Cordero Patterson's an IR. It's a good week to bet on them. Let's see, let's see what the spread is in that game. Garoppolo had 250 and two scores this last week. You know, I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, it's a worthwhile, bet. it's a good bet. The 49ers are minus five and a half currently in Atlanta. By the way, if you've never been, that stadium in Atlanta is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. And the, the I have students. driven through Atlanta. I have oh. driven through the heart of Atlanta downtown, five lanes on each side. We done it together uh, before. At about eight a.m. Yeah, we did it together. together. But I did it. I did the driving one other time, um, and it was a uh, no, no. We have yeah, we did it yeah, together, did. and I did it one other time. Um, we got lucky. We didn't get a lot of traffic. I would well, last time I night. went through. It was like it was eight a.m. On Sunday morning, nobody was yeah. downtown. We did it late night going to South Carolina and early morning going back. So, um, yeah. or midday on a Saturday, I guess it was. Um, but no, the whole thing about that stadium, we've been there. We, we went there for the um, uh, LSU Oklahoma game a couple years ago, the Peach Bowl. And the cool thing about that is when they built it, um, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, put some of his own money into the stadium. So he kind of co-owns it with the, with the city. And when they yeah. did it, the one thing that Blank said was he wanted all of the concessions to be affordable. 
And so you can take a family to a game in Atlanta. I mean, tickets aren't too crazy. And the most expensive item in the stadium is $7. If you can get a cup, and I'm showing you, like, you know, these kind of cups. Like, like the second yeah, cup yeah. you're drinking right now, I saw them. Through here. You get one of those. They're 6 bucks, And they have refill stations all over the stadium. Because it's sponsored by Coke, and Atlanta is the home of Coca-Cola. And so you're yeah. basically, they turn them off at the beginning of the fourth quarter. You have just convinced me to like ownership. Arthur For the Blank first time, great. maybe ever. Oh, Arthur Blank. I'll tell you a, what. A, and again, I'm a Saints fan, so I shouldn't say anything nice about the Falcons. But I do like Arthur Blank quite a bit. I like what he did because he wants his entire experience in that stadium to be about the fans. And part of that is for so long, Atlanta is a very, um, there's nobody from Atlanta. I was joking about Jen with this, but there's somebody she knew this last weekend. She said Mm -hmm. somebody she knew was from Atlanta. I said, nobody's from Atlanta. People move to Atlanta from all over the South because it's the biggest city in the South. So like, you got like people who are like for me, for like, like like me from Louisiana, people from Mississippi or Alabama or Tennessee or the Carolinas that all moved to Atlanta. But you kind of like I have, you hold on to the roots of the teams that you root for from your hometown. There's not a lot of Falcons fans. There's not a lot of people from Atlanta. Yeah. You know, all the transplants from New Orleans that moved to Atlanta, they're still Saints fans. You know, if you're from the Carolinas and you move there, you're a Panthers fan. That kind of stuff. Nobody's a Panthers fan, let's be honest. So it was getting so many of the opposing opponents uh, fans coming to the stadium. So what Arthur Blank said before they moved out of the old dome into this new building, which is super, super nice. He said, make the Mm -hmm. concessions a certain amount where a family can go, where a husband, wife, two or three kids can afford to go to a game. And I had heard those stories. And that's really how it should be. Yeah, it is. It really is. Because it's hard. Like, I mean, you know, my brother, he has six kids. He can't take six kids to a ball game. You know, we were he was talking about the summer. He took took them all to a Royals game this summer. And it's hard as hell. Oh, it's definitely hard. Because you think about sodas, something to eat, a souvenir. Hey, look, you're 500 bucks in, and that's not counting tickets. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, uh, you buy cheapest seats up top at twenty bucks each at, at Kaufman. You're you're six hundred bucks to take your kid, your family. When you're that size, when you got eight people in the family, you know, husband, wife, yeah. six kids. So when you can do that cheaper, you know, even if you got just two kids, or like you know, me and Jen have one kid. You know, if if, if Arrowhead's pricing was like Atlanta, we'd probably go to a lot more games. I'm just not paying seven dollars yeah, to park a car and fourteen dollars yeah. for beer. The same beer that's fourteen dollars in Arrowhead is seven dollars in Atlanta. I know because I drank yeah. a shitload of them the last time I was there. And for everyone that's not Arrowhead, doesn't hasn't been to a game at Arrowhead, understand that yes, Arrowhead is one of the premier tailgating you know, oh, stadiums in, in the country. Atmosphere in inside, the country, in atmosphere inside is re- fucking phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's absolutely ridiculous. But 
at the same time, it is not a cheap ticket to get, and they are no. they are not hurting for ticket sales. No. So I, I but going back to you talking about the 49ers, the 49ers at the Falcons, you're gonna lay that five and a half, huh? It's, I might be with you on that because the Falcons aren't good. And Cordell Patterson is their best player. He's a fucking weapon. Oh, he's yeah, he absolutely. He was a weapon for me last year. I've got him on my bench right now as NIR. It's he sad just, that they you have that, but they're without them. Falcons, you know, are you going to bet on Mariota? Seriously? No. no I think he's no good to get him in the season. To get him a yeah, the Falcons signed Marcus, and look, I like Marcus Mariota, but I like him in this situation to be good enough to get you through one season to get you a high draft pick so that you can go pick his, his someone to replace him. And, and therein lies, you, you said it specifically, he gets you through a season and you get a high draft yeah, pick at the end pick. of it. Yeah. You don't have to worry. And that about right there tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. You, are, you, you are on Marcus Mariota train as I am on the Garoppolo train. And Garoppolo is going to win this game and he's probably going to make the playoffs this year. Where Mariota is going to be done after this year, and they're going to be well away from any I know, playoff appearance. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to trick me into betting on the Falcons with you, which I'm not going to do because I don't bet the Dirty Birds. I just don't. I will never <laughs> bet on the Dirty Birds. Like, people don't – like, there's rivalries in sports. Saints fans don't like the Falcons. We yes, don't we like them. At all, and but a lot of teams, no, like, like, you know what, the greatest moment, one of the greatest sports moments ever for me is the Falcons are the team that blew 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl. Yes, they did. Yes, they did because they're the Falcons. I really felt bad for Tony as well. I really felt bad for Tony. I didn't, you know, why because he played for the Falcons. He did leave the Chiefs to go to the Falcons. Yeah, I don't care. I, I I don't root for the Falcons. I just don't. No, they are my least favorite team in the NFL. They're the Saints' rival. And you know the Falcons have never won the Super Bowl? I did not. They've never won a Super Bowl. They had the I NF. This is how Falcons the Falcons are. What's that? I think there's a there's only there's a handful of teams that have never won a Super Bowl. Yeah, there's a couple of them. But the Falcons yeah. have never won the Super Bowl. I think they're one of the oldest teams to not have won yeah. a Super Bowl yet. But the Falcons have never won the Super Bowl. Like there's certain facts in life. The sun comes up in the east, goes down in the west, and the Falcons have never won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, can't, so, I can't argue it. I mean, that's true. Yeah, I mean, absolutely true. Um, so no, I'm, you, you, I will root for the 49ers this week. <laughs> I, I, I'm just gonna keep. I'm, I'm keeping track. We've had enough discussion around this and yeah. the Dak Prescott rule now. Yeah, yeah the, just, the Dak Prescott. Keep an eye on this. All right. So now I want to talk to you about something else. So, um. You know, we don't have NFL Sunday ticket anymore. We got rid of it a couple of years ago. We went to streaming in the house. And 
this past Sunday, I really wanted to watch the Saints game. So I went to Johnny's West, sat down. I got some Wilson wings. The wife came. She had lunch. She left, go play tennis. Kiddo came with me. We're watching the Saints game. And at a certain point, I couldn't take it anymore. Anxiety started riddling me, riddling my body. My brain was just eating away at me at how bad the team is. And some of the boneheaded calls in the first half the Saints made, and I left. I left at halftime. I got to tell you, this past weekend, not only did I leave a place watching the Saints game at halftime, I turned off the LSU game on Saturday in the third quarter because they were getting their ass kicked by Tennessee. They don't look like they were trying. No, they did not. And the Saints came back and won. Happy days, great, wonderful. They're two and three. They still aren't very good. But I'm hurting this week because do you know who the Saints play this week? You're laughing because you just figured it out. Did you look yet? No, I haven't looked. Go ahead and tell me. They play the Bengals. And the Bengals haven't exactly impressed this year. No, but where it goes is that I I, I love Joe Burrow. I, yeah. I If yeah, my I kid was born today, I would name him Burrow. I can't root yeah, against I'm Joe so Burrow. And I can't root against the Saints. I don't know what to do. So here's what I want. This Anybody's was, listening know, to the podcast. I didn't know what I should root for do. both. Can't I can't do this? I I just was just riddled with anxiety and stress, and I really thought like I was gonna have a heart attack watching the Saints last week. How am I gonna do this if the Saints are playing against Joe Burrow? I, who is it? There's I know who you need to ask. This is the thing is I know who you need to ask, and I can't. Well, here's what we're gonna do. Name. Anybody the two listening? brothers that are both pro, they're both play players in the pros right now. Well, there's the Kelsey's, uh, there's Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, yeah, but there's, there's, yeah, exactly. It's you when you get like, there's like two or three sets of brothers in the NFL that play right now. One of them is they actually are in opposing positions, where one's a wide receiver, the other's D back. Oh, okay. I'm trying to remember who it is, and they have played each other, and their mom shows up with like. Uh, a half jersey. Uh, he has a half. They have a half jersey uh, with the full name on the back. I, I'm not. Um, I know you're not going to do that, but what I'm saying is like you know, there, this is a situation where you know you want to root for both teams. So how do you do it? And the answer is you sit back and you don't root for either. You enjoy the game for both. You I really want, don't have a choice. I mean, besides, he, it's not in. It, it's going to be a Bengals win. So. Yeah, here's what I want. Great, well, yeah, I take that back because Kamara is finally actually playing football this year. He's decided to show up. Well, as long as the Red Rocket is out there for the Saints, I don't know. They, look, the Saints did everything they could this week to minimize the Red Rocket Andy Dalton by using Taysom Hill to basically do everything. <laughs> oh, I saw that. He hey, had he a scored. great game. He, 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 he scored. scored three times. He had, he had a passing yeah. touchdown. He had two rushing touchdowns. Um, 
he he um, covered a fumble on special teams. Yeah, he, he had a great game. And and I give Taysom Hill a lot of a lot of shit, but I give Taysom There's Hill shit. There's your perennial quarterback. There's your clipboard but he should, quarterback. No, 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 no. That's the reason. He plays I'm every year. Him. I'm against him because I don't like the idea that Taysom Hill is a quarterback. Taysom Hill is a tight end. I Taysom Hill playing tight end. I actually end? think he was listed. Tight, tight end. Actually, he, is listed as a tight end. Hold on. If he's a tight end, he play a little running back. Playing special teams, I got no – play a fucking linebacker. I'm fine. But when you put a Taysom Hill at quarterback, I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want him being my franchise okay. quarterback. I, I'll, I'll say this. Technically, he's third on the depth chart for, for quarterback. He is also third on the depth chart for tight end. Yeah. Go to ESPN.com right now. Yeah. He's actually in there twice. So I, I and there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of red letters behind a lot of players on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Oh, the injury bug. There's is a close. lot of red on this roster. I, I'm I'm ready for the tank for CJ Stroud. I'm all in for tanking for CJ Stroud. Or um, if I win the you know the Powerball is 400 million. If I win, I'm going to be the guy that somehow gets Joe Burrow to the Saints. I'm going to come in and be like, hey, I'm buying half this team. You know, I'm going to be the guy that pays for the extension for Joe Burrow to be traded to the Saints, and I'm going to pay the contract. Uh-huh. I'm sure you will. But I'm going to have a piece of ownership by then. Okay. Right. So We'll see. I am instantly reminded of what Ryan Reynolds did with a fifth-tier British soccer team <laughs> <laughs> on a whim. We'll see yeah. how well that goes over. Yeah, you never know. Hey, it couldn't be any worse than the Khan family owning teams. This is true. This is very true. I at least understand the sport. So um, I understand the assignment. Speaking of understanding the assignment, I am so disappointed. So we've been trying to, we, I didn't go to game day, but I was trying. I was, we had Operation Meet Pat McAfee. We did not get it done. Mission was not accomplished. We did not get a chance to meet Pat McAfee while he was in town. But I will tell you, game day, the KU fans on Saturday night or Saturday day, they really showed out. They really did. It wouldn't be, in fairness, it's not like KU doesn't know how to show up for college game day. They just don't normally do it at Memorial Stadium or on the Hill. They've never had it for football. They've never had it. They've never done it for, it's never been done for football. They do it every year for basketball, but Mm -hmm. not for football. So I, I am really happy for everyone who was able to be there for that. I think that was a very special thing. Because I don't think they did even game day when we went to the Orange Bowl. No. no Game no, day literally has ago. never been to a Kansas game. Yeah. Yeah, they were one so of the I, last you know, I'm really glad. I'm, I'm happy for this team and what they're doing. I'm happy for the fans. Because that's a real treat when it's, you know, for having never had it before. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw the game. Did you watch the game at all? I'm sorry. I watched as I watched the end of it, and I will tell you right now, I am su- supremely. Pissed. I was flying. I was flying. I caught it oh. on my phone. So he, you know, so in my layover, I got to catch the end of it. Yeah, Jalen Daniels gets hurt early in the second in the second quarter, and then yeah. um, Bean came in and played about as well as he can possibly play. I mean, he's a decent quarterback. 
he's not a Jalen Daniels. Um, but no, he, he's not. He threw for four touchdowns in the you second half, that. and he kept them in the game. And a couple of missed, a couple of missed throws on the last possession. KU would have had a chance to tie it up. And, yeah, I, and it wasn't like he didn't have a chance. There was a chance. You know, ha- having said that, fuck a ref. Oh my god, fuck a ref. I understand the explanation I got about horse color. Yeah. That explanation, however legitimate it was, is horse color. This is horse shit. And on the very last play of the game, yeah. If you're if on the very last play, I dare you to tell me there weren't two pass interferences there. One deep that wasn't one that was targeted, and the other. That's that's ridiculous. Like this well, it, is egregious on a on a on a national scale. Yeah, the the horse collar piece on the, the, the play with Neil that was um, he had the hand inside the jersey that that should have been enough to call that. That last possession, you had the the bad throw off to the left where Neil is wide open. I mean, he's gonna catch that ball and go twenty yards and got a bounds, and you're back in it. And then. When they doesn't, when the ball's not there, because he's he's looking for the ball one way, the ball goes another. And then the next play, they did the okay, we saw what happened, flip the play and run it again. And they did in the linebacker, and that's when you had the heart the horse collar play. Yeah, it was it was legit, but the deep but the linebacker was there. I mean, it was. It's almost good. He was there. I'm not going to lie. He was there. So it's not like I'm complaining that he got tackled. He had him. He wasn't getting 10 yards on that. He was getting two. Yeah. But, you know, to not have called that penalty is. Yeah. Well, it defeats the purpose of the rule. Yeah. The fourth down play, and, and, and this is, I don't like criticizing college players because they're not professionals, but the ball no, being not. through on fourth down. He was trying to lead that receiver, but you can't lead a receiver that far. I mean, I don't know if he thought Randy Moss was going to get the ball or something or Calvin Johnson, but, I mean, goddamn, yeah. I mean, it would have taken four more steps for the guy to get there. It was just way too out in front, and I get it. And, again, I don't want to criticize it. They didn't lose the game because of that one play. I'll be very clear. No, they did not. No, they did not. They did. I mean, for what and, I and saw, so I, I did yeah. get – I do understand why Dean is not the starter. I think he was very serviceable filling oh, it in in a tough yeah. in a tough situation. Yeah, he and you can tell why Jalen Daniels is the starter. He's a better player and Dean played yeah. well. He played about as well. Look, the guy threw for four touchdowns in the he, second he half. Couldn't. He threw four touchdowns. Right. He kept him. You're, you're in it all the way to the end of the yeah, game. You couldn't kept have you in that asked game. him to do Absolutely. more for what he's capable of. Yeah, he he kept you in a game against a high one of the highest scoring teams in America. I, I find no fault in how he played. I was excited for the people here in Lawrence, the KU fans. You know, I'm Jayhawk adjacent, as they call it. And I was happy that everybody, and it was pretty overwhelming. Everybody after the game was saying the same things. Great experience. The atmosphere was great. They played extremely hard and will be back. Now, having said that, KU plays Oklahoma. Yeah. KU is going to beat Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma did lose. Oklahoma has lost four in a row, or three in a row. This will be four. And they have not looked good. They got spanked by Texas. I mean, spanked. Texas beat them 40 to 42 or 49 to nothing. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Um, they, they allow 40 points for the last five games. Teams score left and right. Skeletor, their coach, looks like he has no fucking clue what he's doing. Um, I see why he didn't get a head coaching job for so long. Because it ain't like that. I understand that Lincoln Riley left and took his quarterback with him. But the cupboard mm-hmm. wasn't exactly bare. And they're bad. That's a bad Oklahoma team. They're like John Blake's Oklahoma team bad. And they're, I... Yeah, they're yeah. tied for last in the, in, in uh-huh. the conference. Uh-huh. With Iowa State. Yeah, their three... Oklahoma's three wins are against UTEP, Kent State, and Nebraska. They gave up 41 points to K-State, who's not good. Uh, look, I know people, people thought that that was a big win for K-State beating Oklahoma. K-State's not a good team. I mean, it's won a game 10-9 against Iowa State. They gave up 55 points to, to, to TCU. And again, I know TCU scores a lot of points, but 55 is too fucking many. And then your and biggest they, rival is Texas. You go play in neutral field in Dallas, and they beat your ass 49 to nothing. To nothing. I think there was a stat on this the last time that Oklahoma got blanked. I mean, it... Like, like I don't think we were alive. I don't... I really don't think we were alive the last time Oklahoma got blanked. I mean, they're, they're bad. It's, there was a guy who was their coach named John Blake in the early 90s. And they had a year with um, Miami's former coach. God damn it, I can't think of his name now. But for like three years, they were just awful. And they looked that bad again. It's, yeah, I I don't know what, uh, it's just bad all around. And I don't know that it's going to get any better. And now Oklahoma's going to have to hustle up. Listen to this shit. They want to make a bowl game. I mean, yeah. I mean, they got KU, Iowa State, who we know Iowa State can play defense, Baylor, who's just better, West Virginia. They go, but they go to West Virginia. This team ain't won a game on the road except at Nebraska, who's bad. And they just fired their coach when that game happened. Then they got Bedlam. I mean, they ain't got a fucking chance against Oklahoma State. They have no chance. And no, they go they to not. Texas Tech. Find me three wins in there for Oklahoma. Here's the funny thing is I'm looking at their schedule. There are only two ranked teams on that list. Yeah. Oklahoma now, State and Kansas. Yeah, Texas will be ranked again soon. They will be, yeah. Texas will be no ranked again before the end of the year. Iowa State yeah. will be ranked again, and, and Baylor's ranked, I think. Who? Oh, no, Baylor lost to them, didn't they? Yeah. Um, Baylor's not a bad team. Baylor's a good team. 
Well, and that's and that's kind of where I'm going. Where I'm where I'm going is you, so they've lost to K State, TCU, and Texas. Mm-hmm. So they're zero and three in the Big Twelve, and they still have a you know maybe one or two. You know, Iowa State is also zero and three in the in the conference. They might beat Iowa State. They might. You know, I don't see it. I just you know this is so weird to say for an Oklahoma team. Mm-hmm. For having once, you know, I've you know, this is since this is coming, you know, thirty plus thirty five years of you know, Big Eight to Big Twelve of watching Oklahoma football. This is the worst they've ever looked that I can think of. Yeah, and there are people. There's people. I love how people are like, "Well, enjoy the SEC, man. Yeah. Oh, you better get it together." Skeletor better get his shit together. This is how they're gonna walk. Yeah, if this is how they're going to walk into the SEC, they uh-huh. are going to languish yeah. in that conference. They are going to litter, they are going to they are going to be how can I say this in a way that makes sense to everybody. They will be the KU of the SEC, and and we don't know how they're going to align the SEC yet with the with Oklahoma and Texas coming in, right? But there is a situation right now where it could be. If Oklahoma is thrown into the SEC West as it currently is put together, they would have to play Alabama, Texas, Texas A&M, and LSU every year. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's likely that they're going to split it up in either four divisions or Bama and Auburn might get moved to the East. I don't know how that's going to work yet. No one's really put that together yet. But um, I we'll think the, I think the critical thing they do is so long as they they can they maintain the Red River rivalry. Yeah, they will. They'll put them in the same division. Fine. Yeah, the, the SEC yeah. wants to keep it East West, or I don't think it'll go North South. I think it'll be East West. It, it doesn't make sense to North South, but however they they break it up, as mm-hmm. long as they've maintained that, I think the SEC yeah. won't go wrong in that regard. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. But uh yeah, so yeah, you know, K I think KU is going to beat Oklahoma. I know that KU is a seven point underdog. I like KU. I'm not official on this yet, but by the way, it look is, up you're in front of your community. Do, you know, do you know I don't I know it is, yeah. Um have you ever seen what Brett Venables, their coach, looks like? No, I never <laughs> Google it real quick because I want to ask you a question because you're a nerd like me and you'll be able to give me a, a better response. Google Brett Venables, just Google imaging. Tell me when you got it up so I can say this. How do you spell Brett, B R E T T. Venables is V E N A B L E N B N. Not a spell. Hey, sometimes Brett is two T's, sometimes it's like one. You know, you never know. Okay, tell me when you got it to Google image of Brett Venables. Oh, my God. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, so I, see what, I see what you're saying. Is he the Red Skull or Skeletor? He is Skeletor from the live-action Masters of the Universe movie. Okay. My, my inclination was to go Skeletor. And then I saw him again, and I went, hmm. With that red, I was it, like... I, I think this is how you play it. This is how you play it. If he's indoors... He's Skeletor. He's outdoors. He's a Red Skull. He's a Red Skull. <laughs> just, just the sun. 
Just the extra he color looks of like he needs a, in his skin. He looks like he needs a fucking ham sandwich. <laughs> There's something about his cheekbones or something there for it. I maybe and on, in fairness, there is it might just be this picture because it doesn't show no. this way in every. You can Google image that, a bunch but, of them, and you'll see the same thing. Yeah, yeah. There's there's not every one of them like that, but I see where and, you're going. Yeah, and Brent Venables. Look, he was a national coach of the year, assistant coach of the year. He was the defensive player yeah. at Clemson. You know, sent for all the success that Clemson's have with Dabo Sweeney. But it's pretty clear why he got passed over for head coaching jobs now. And I know he went back to Oklahoma because he'd been an Oklahoma guy. And, you know, he's also was a K-State guy because he was in on the K-State job at one time. And K-State didn't hire him. And so it... it, Yeah, I I get why... The more pictures I look at, it's Skeletor. It's no question. Yeah, sorry. It's Skeletor. I I like that you're still on the Skeletor thing. I can't let it go. You, you have, you just you, it's, got you here on that one. Huh? I can't not look at it now. I've, I've now googled. I'm looking at images. I can't stop. Uh, it's Skeletor. All right, I got one last subject, and we're going to get out of here. This is back to the NFL for a minute. On Monday, Carolina Panthers fired Matt Rule. Uh, the Panthers wrote him a check for forty million dollars to go away. I have been asked in a job to go away before. No uh-huh. one gave me forty million. God, I, I bet that's good work too. Forty million. I tell you, we're I'm, we're in the wrong business. I I, I got to get back into coaching, right? I mean, Ed Ogeron. So you hired me to do a job. You pay me. Ed Ogeron got seventeen million to leave LSU, and now Matt Rule's getting forty million to leave Carolina. And and he's going to get gonna all go that money. Time taking pictures on Instagram now. And now, no, you know what he? That's funny because that was wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, Coach O. He just yeah, Coach O lost his damn mind. Coach O won the national championship. Decided he was going to divorce his wife and date young girls. I know it's every man's that's dream. Come on, man. He went through midlife crisis to win the national title. You went. You hit your midlife crisis. You buy a sports car. You don't he, you know what, get you know fired what from not, your job, divorce your wife, and and blow your money. Well, he know he he divorced wife before he got the, before the money. It was you don't know yeah. the story, do you? So he you know, all that stuff. No, was, I don't. I don't. Know. It was after they won the national title before he got fired. This is the same guy that when Joe Burrow won the Heisman, he's thanking Coach Ogeron and says, "You should get a contract for life at LSU." And there were people, and I was one of them, going, hell yes. I mean, that guy was as Louisiana as you can get. And Coach O, and I love Coach O. Bull Tigers. I do. I love Coach O. So Matt Rule. I got to tell you, man. Here's what's going to happen, though. Watch. This is what's going to be funny. Matt Rule's going to get that money. Matt Rule is going to be a head coach in college football next season. And when he does, oh, yeah. he's gonna be Probably. he's gonna be really good. All of a sudden he's gonna go back to college, he's gonna recruit like crazy wherever he goes, and he's gonna build into the program like he did at Baylor. How many times have we seen college coaches oh. at the pro level like, like this who absolutely flop? And I and I don't care 
how good you were. I don't care how many national championships you got. Most of them, when they get to the pros at this level, with especially high profile like this, and the more high profile, the worse, they always flop. It never works. It just doesn't. I can only think of one where it really did, and that was Jimmy Johnson. And and it's Jimmy Johnson, so, but that's the the exception to the rule. Is. I mean, that's the yeah, one I mean, in a hundred. You know, and he's the guy that I think is the greatest NFL coach of all time. I mean, I I think Jimmy Johnson is Got that every reason to Lombardi. think that. I mean, he, he's in the yeah. he Belichick Walsh and Lombardi. I mean, that's your it's, it could be anybody's you know Mount Rushmore right there. Um, and, and I think more so even than if you're a, if you are kind of a high profile college coach who's going to the NFL. You're going to the NFL straight in as a head coach. Yeah. Where most successful college quarterbacks work their way up to head coach. And here's why that makes a difference. You, if you work your way up to head coach from the college ranks into the pros, you've had time to understand organizations. You've had time to understand players. And the most important distinction is that they're not kids. Yeah. They're not kids in college either, but they're students and they're student athletes. When you're in the NFL, you're talking to a professional. You're getting paid more than you to do a job and you're supposed to help them. Yeah. But not all in not all cases, but in especially in the high profile and your high caliber talent where friction can happen. These guys aren't here for you to hear your college bullshit. They don't care. Yeah. They're here to do a job. They need to be treated like men. Yeah. And they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to coach at the NFL level because they can't coach players it's not they can't they don't know anything more about football it's not like you're not going to tell me that there aren't offensive geniuses that can come into the nfl but they're better suited for an oc position than a head coach position because they can't deal with players the same way they haven't learned how yeah and this is the result yeah and you know the the one who's getting shafted the most out of this is baker because now this makes what six head coaches in five years oh wow i didn't even think of it that way Baker's hurt. Too. I heard it this morning, yeah. and he's hurt. I heard it this morning um, about when I heard about the Matt Rule thing. I believe the stat was so. In the last five years, this is his sixth head coach. He's going to get whoever's going to be the interim coach. I forgot who it was. Um, that six head coaches in five years with multiple OCs, and we wonder why did why Baker Mayfield struggling so much yeah. after he came out kind of as a hot start. Yeah. I. Um... I, this is one of those where the NFL will chew you up and spit you out, no matter yeah. how good you are. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Matt Rule. Get your money. Go home. You don't want to work in Carolina anyway. Please go home. <laughs> Please go home. <laughs> hey, Uncle Rico, thanks for coming in, but we're going to go and jump out of here now. But I want to say thanks for coming in, especially on a Monday night after that exciting game. Spending some time. It's a late night. I really do appreciate it. So I want to say, because my alarm. Always a pleasure. Bad. Always so, a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate. It. We'll have you back in next Monday, and we'll be talking all things NFL. Uh, we'll send a thank out thanks out to Tyler Jones, everyone Studio Soapbox for all you do behind the scenes. Hey, check out. I will be back on the Jones Report again this week with Tyler and Thomas. We're going to have a good time. I'm still in the lead in the picks segment, and I plan to be there for the rest of the season. Four and <laughs> one in the NFL this week. Four and one. And so, how was your college betting? I was two, two and one in college this week. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm winning right now. Right now, I am the season leader. 
I had a two-game lead. I, mean, I still have a two-game lead. No one caught up to me. Cool. Yeah. Four and one in the NFL, though. And my only loss was that damn Chargers game. Three. You also aren't exactly playing the best ball. Yeah, they're not. And we'll talk about them next. I'm going to do a week on that. So, hey, but uh, most importantly, I want to thank the listeners. Thank you so much. Uh, rate us, review us, give us five stars. We appreciate it every time. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, we appreciate every five star review. So I'll be back on Friday uh, with Ellen. We'll be doing the point five. We're going to do a whole bunch of stuff between now and then. So it'll be a big, long point five, most likely. We may even have a bonus episode. You never know. So, Uncle Rico, thanks for coming in again. Everybody, have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non refundable, and we will see you on the point five.